Hello everyone and welcome to the Pet Accountant Podcast with me, your host, Vicky Clark. I'm going to help you get to grips with your finances, save you lots of money and take the stress out of doing your tax return. So let's get going. Welcome everyone, my name is Vicky and this is my gorgeous business partner Lee, who's looking slightly dishevelled today because he's going on holiday so he doesn't care. Um, and we run the group, we are accountants um, and we work with pet businesses across the UK. So if you do ever need an accountant and you're in the group, then you can just let us know and uh, we will help you. So this week, uh, a very important topic on uh, employees versus subcontractors. It's something um, that comes up pretty much every other day. Um, and it's generally wrong, um, if really to put it bluntly. Um, there's a very fine line between uh, employees and subcontractors. And I think even not in this group, but even in all of the other groups, when people are talking about a subcontractor and, and what they want that subcontractor to do is generally sort of wrong. Um And there was a bit of a debate on the group a few weeks ago about it, um, which is what prompted me to do this live. So today we are going to talk through what a subcontractor is, what an employee is, what the main differences are and what you can and cannot do. It's probably probably going to be geared more towards a subcontractor side and what you can and can't do with those, because then it'll obviously make it easier um, for the employee side. As always, if you have any questions, uh, which I'm sure you do, please, please, please pop them in the comments. Ask as we go along. If you've got any questions that are relating to your business or if you're currently employing someone or you've got some contractors and you want to ask a question, uh, then feel free to pop it in the comments and I will keep an eye on those as we go along. Um, so yes, we're going to have a serious one today. The last few have been, the last few have been quite lighthearted and not really on financy topics. Um, so we're going all out finance today. Um, right? Are you ready, Lee? I think so. Are you sure? <laughs> from the top and three from the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, we should do that. Um, oh, just as a side note, actually, there was a bit of a heated debate um, today around national insurance um, and the credits and things. Um, Recently, we have done a post about this actually a few weeks ago because even we were stumped by this because they don't generally tell you stuff. Um, HMRC, if you're in between a certain bracket, are now paying your national insurance for you. Okay, it'll say um, treated as paid when you come to do your tax return. It still counts as your national insurance. It just means that you're not paying it and HMRC are paying it for you. So as far as we're aware, it still counts towards your contributions. Um, So don't worry if you're doing your um, tax return yourself. It may well still say you owe this much, but as you go through the ticky boxes, when you get to the end, it will say zero. So don't get confused or worried when it says zero. It's still being paid. It still counts. It just means HMRC have decided to pay it for us if you're within that bracket. And I can't remember what that bracket is. I think it's something like between six and a half grand and 11 and a half grand or something like that. So if you're confused, by all means, get in touch with us. Um, but yes, it was a bit of a heated debate and it wasn't included and it is. So just wanted to clear that up. Right. Lee, talk to me. Subcontractors, what we're talking about. Right. Okay. So a subcontractor is somebody that runs their own business that has multiple clients and that can send somebody in their place if they're unable to tend your workplace, which differs to an employee because the employee only has you they can't send somebody else in their place and you have a greater control over how they do something, um, the methods that they use and the fact that you can dictate to them what they wear um, when they take their breaks, um, you know, uh, how many hours a week that they go into work and what hours they go into work. 
A subcontractor, in essence, is you asking for help from somebody that is running their own business that might have that might do work for you and several other dog groomers. They could offer just cover. Uh, they could be a limited company, just like an agency. The problem arises when you want that subcontractor to do something a certain way, pretend that they are your business so that your, your customers don't know who they're dealing with uh, or they believe that they're dealing with your business uh, and that when you want them to wear your uniform, um, when you want something done in a certain way, when you want something done to a certain standard, um, it's it's you don't in essence have control over a subcontractor, whereas you do with an employee. Uh, and there's some quite fine rules that dictate that if this person is secretly an employee, but you're classifying them as a subcontractor, you as the employer or the person that's giving the work to the subcontractor are liable for any tax and national insurance due on those wages, plus any late filing penalties, plus the penalty for being found out that you had a disguised employee. So it can be quite quite severe and quite steep. Um, I think when we when we talk to a lot of our clients, um, a lot of them ask us, well, I've got this person, they're working for me, but it's on a subcontractor basis. Um, we've also found it where you can do rent a chair, but you're dictating to this person that's renting the chair how they're going to work. Um, I've seen on one of the groups that somebody said, I'm not happy with the way that this person, this rent chair person, is treating the clients. It's my name above the door and, and, and people are coming in and they believe that it's me. Um, you know, can I say something to this person because I'm not happy with the way that they're grooming the dogs? And the answer is, no, you can't. This is their business. You've got nothing to do with them. And, and that's what a subcontractor is. That's them running their own business, regardless of whether or not they're in your, in your space, um, you know, dealing with potentially your clients. It's, it's their own business. Yes, yeah, at the end of the day, you can say, thank you very much. Uh, unfortunately, I won't be using you again, which is one of the benefits of a subcontractor. Mm -hmm. You have the ability to say, I don't want to offer you any more work. Can't do that with an employee. But what you can do with an employee is offer training progression. Um, you know, you can look at um, different ways of motivating them. Uh, that employee becomes part of your business and will protect your clients as if they were their own. Whereas if you bring a subcontractor in, and again, another point to note here is that it's been brought up previously. I will always say if you do have a subcontractor, you should have a subcontractor agreement mm. with that person. And people have commented back saying, no, no, they just need to send you an invoice. Yeah, you're right, they do. But there's without a written agreement in place, there's absolutely nothing stopping that subcontractor from stealing your clients, approaching them afterwards and say, look, come for me, I'll I'll, I'll do the dogs cheaper. Um, they can they they've got free reign. You're you're, mm. you're inviting somebody into your business without a, a non-compete agreement, without a um a written terms that says this is the quality that you need to meet as a subcontractor in order for me to use you. Um, there's no agreement with regard to payment terms. And again, subcontractors can dictate what they want paid. You as the person that's going out looking for this person to help don't have that control, whereas you do with an employee. You know, you can choose an apprentice and you can go down the apprentice route where the wages are in the first year, very, very good for the employer. Not so much for the employee, but for the employer. That's <laughs> yeah. cheaper. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but don't always, they don't always work out, though. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. It is a little bit trial and error. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it, you might find you have to go through two or three apprentices before you find that that diamond in the rough. Um, and once you find that person, they can be so invaluable to your business. Um, you can know, I just interject slightly? Yeah. Um, you touched on it before with and and I've come across the, the subcontractor issue probably more with groomers and dog walkers, probably more so with groomers, because even the people advertising, or we've got um some space available in our salon to rent a table, you must work nine to five, you must work weekends, you must do this, you must groom these dogs, you must, and then there's like a massive long list. 
and we're not always saying it's the person who's doing the subcontracting is problem and an issue, not knowing what they're doing. It's the people who are trying to attract these subcontractors with people that maybe don't know the rules and regulations and going, okay, yeah, I'm a subcontractor, but then they're getting dictated when they should work, how they should work, how many dogs they must groom in a, in a day, um, not having their own client base. And I think that's a problem as well. It's not always the person being a subcontractor. It's And whether they're doing that out of lack of knowledge or they're just trying to pull a fast one, yeah, who knows? But if you're renting a table in a salon, you're renting the space. And we've had this com- yeah, we've had this conversation so many times with with the subcontractors, where they're like, "Well, I'm renting this space, but I can't do X, Y, and Z." I'm like, well, "No, all you're doing is is renting the space. That space is in yours to do with what you like. Whether you work weekends, whether you want to shut on a Wednesday, whether you just can't be asked to turn up to work today. You don't turn up today, you just don't turn up. It's, it's yeah." Your- you paid for it you use it as you as you want and and from the flip yeah and from the flip side if it's if you're the person looking for a subcontractor all you're doing is saying well here's a table you can give me 500 quid a month you can't then tell them what to do they can't wear your uniform you have to have a separate diary a separate payment system and that's the same with the dog walkers. If you're taking on a dog walk as a subcontractor so you can do more walks, they can't be wearing your logoed clothing and telling the client, oh, yeah, they work for me, because they don't. Oh. It could, it's the same as an example. So before me and Lee professionally got together, you know, Lee was subcontracting for me. I was giving him work. Clients knew that it was Lee's, Lee and Thomas and Bell doing the work. And then he used to invoice me. I wasn't pretending that Lee was part of the pet accountant. Lee had his own company. He did the work and he, he invoiced me uh, and I paid him. So I didn't tell Lee, oh, I don't know a minute, you must work an extra three hours today because I've got this set of accounts to do. You'd gone and told me to poke it. So, <laughs> so what we're trying to say is you've got to be so careful, you know, and it's not expensive to take someone on as an employee. And I think... That is the myth is, oh, no, God, I can't afford it. You know, what happens if they go off sick? What happens if they go on maternity leave? Well, okay, yes, it is a risk if you get someone that goes off sick. But on the flip side of that, if, you're, if you've are if you hired someone and they're going off sick every Friday, then I'd just sack them. You know, the, do you know what I mean? You don't have to keep the person on if they're going sick every five minutes. That's difficult. You can actively manage it through the business. Exactly. And, you know, it's not that expensive, is it, really, to, to hire someone as an employee? In fact, it can work out more expensive to have a subcontractor than what it can do an employee. And the reason being is that the subcontractor can dictate their own wages. They will come to you and say, well, no, I, I want X amount per dog because that is my rate. The employee, you have a contract with the employee that says, I will pay you X amount per day. Uh, and as long as it meets the national minimum wage, which is different for each age group, um, at the moment, I think if you're over 23, it's £10.42 an hour. Um, you know, a, a subcontractor could say, well, I want £11 or I want £12 an hour for every hour that I work with you. It, yes, you, you've got to agree to it. But at the same time, you can't say that subcontractor, I'm only going to pay you X amount per hour. It's it, 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 Again, it's that two-way street uh, and, the, and the subcontract could turn around and say, do you know what? I just had that dog in. I don't want to do that one again just because I didn't like it. And you've got no comeback on it. If they don't mm-hmm. want to do it, they're not going to do it. Um, and again, I, we don't want to talk somebody out of, of of taking on a subcontractor because there might not be enough work to facilitate an employee. Mm-hmm. But what is really important is that you have to understand that when you take somebody on, whether it be an employee or a subcontractor, that you understand, are they really, when you look at it on the, on the, on the cold, hard light of day, are they really an employee that you're actually just saying, do it on a self-employed basis and send me an invoice? Because that's the slippery slope. If, if for argument's sake, you've got somebody that's working with you that you've, you've asked to be a subcontractor, a self-employed individual, and you are dictating when they work, how they work, that they must wear uniform, that they must do something in a certain way. They can't send somebody else in their absence. It has to be them. Um, do you pay for training? Do you treat them as a member of staff? Do you take them out with the members of staff? Um, 
you know, I think there's a couple more on the HMRC website as well, questions they ask you. But basically, if you answer yes to all those, then that person is really an employee and they should be treated as an employee. They should be paid holiday. They should be entitled to sick pay as long as they earn enough per week. Um, you know, they might be entitled to maternity pay. Uh, and, and when you look at the costs for adding somebody onto a payroll and running a payroll, it really makes no sense to call somebody and pay somebody as a self-employed individual when really they should be an employee. And we see it all the time. And we also get, you know, we also get, oh, I've given this person cash, but unless you've got a receipt for it, we can't put that through your books. So, you know, you're, you're losing out on the fact that you've paid somebody cash, no receipt for it. So you're now having to pay the extra tax on, on that money because, and they're getting away with it. And then we fall into the realms then of tax evasion and and you become complicit because that person didn't want to go on the books and you've enabled it. Now, now you're implicated and you're part of it. So HMRC found out, and if you've got a mixture of employees and, and subcontractors, it only takes one person to be disgruntled for them to do a little tip-off report. And that little tip-off then starts an investigation. And then that investigation leads to a bigger investigation where HMRC then start looking at your business as a whole, not just that little tip off from the employee. And then they can go back as far as 20 years of your accounts to find what you've done wrong. Now, you only have to keep seven years of records, but if HMRC can go back 20, how on earth are you going to prove that what you claim for so far back is legitimate? You know, it's this. But then how how do they expect that, though? If they're saying to people... Oh, you only have to keep your records for seven years, but we can go back 20. They have to find something wrong in order for them to go back that far. So remember, if they've had a tip off from an employee or or the subcontractor um, Mm. that they are paying cash and not running it through a payroll um, or they're paying uh, people when they shouldn't, for argument's sake, um, or if they're underpaying employees, you know, if, if they're not giving the national minimum wage. And it happens. Um, you know, I, we won't name names or other bits and pieces, but we are aware that it is happening. And and as, as accountants and as bookkeepers and as payroll professionals, it's our duty to say, actually, we, we know about this and you need to fix it. And the only way you can fix it is by backdating the pay that somebody was underpaid. Um, and, and disgruntled employees or will go to HMRC as yes, we have come across. Yes, so, they. you know, you've, uh, we I hear it all the time, oh, no, no, like such and such is my best friend. Never they're lovely, that. they'll never do that. And then a few weeks later, it's like, bitch, yeah. you know, and yeah. it's gone wrong and they could call HMRC and like Lee said, you know, it ends up going down a slippery slope and it's not something that you want to have to endure as HMRC poking their nose into your, into your business. And, and not when, you know, like for ourselves, we run payrolls weekly, uh, fortnightly, four weekly, monthly. So regardless of what pay pattern that you want to pay your employee or subcontractor, there is a payroll run pattern that that would fit with. So why not do it right from the beginning? Why why not? You know, if if they should be an employee, make them an employee. It's it's yeah. it's not rocket science with, with that side of things. And the costs are minimal. Like I say, it's yeah. it's not going to. I think people think, oh no, if I get an employee, it's going to cost thousands of pounds on top of what yeah. I'm paying them. Doesn't happen. Yeah, and, and it's not. You know, and like I say, if you get that one person that starts taking the piss, then you know you no longer keep that person it's as simple as that clients come and say to us before they start paying because they, they they don't understand the process of what payroll is um you know it's like with the tax and the national insurance deductions and, and they think oh they've got to pay all this on top but you don't so you agree a rate with the employee for argument's sake it's 10 pound 42 an hour um you add up all the hours that that person has worked that's their gross wage before any deductions and then we as payroll professionals work out how much tax and national insurance needs to be deducted from that person's wage. And then you pay them the difference. That little bit that you took off them, you then pay that over to HMRC. And, and we give you the bank details, the reference numbers to use. We make that as easy as possible. Um, you know, we, we even have an electronic portal 
where this person can update all their personal details um, or their pay slips are available for them. You can upload uh, uh, like your policies and procedure documents, anything that's that you want that person to access. We have that available in an app. So you're covered from all of the employment side to make sure that, that employee has access to the information and is given all of the payroll information that they need as an employee. So you're covered. We take the stress of that away for yourself. But if you think about it from, from a, a subcontractor point of view, and they come to you and they give you an invoice, you pay the invoice, and you think that's it, it's done and dusted with. But if that person is found to be an employee as part of an investigation, you've now got to go back. And that money that you paid the employees is classed as their net wage. You've then got to gross up and pay back all of the taxes and all of the national insurance that would have been due on that wage. And that person has now just cost you an absolute fortune. Um, you know, so it, it's it's just not worth the risk if that person should be an employee. And then if that person, rather than say, decides to go limited and they open up a limited company because that's how they thought that they were going to do this, and you've engaged that person without knowing what their status is. Again, that, that individual's tax status is really not your concern. And they have no, there's nothing in law that says that that person has to tell you whether they're a limited company or a sole trader or what they report on their tax returns. If they're, if they're a limited company and they're billing you and you're paying them, you now fall into the realms of what's called IR35. Now, this has been quite a big thing, and Gary Lineker has been one of the most popular or cases for celebrities, um, where he argued that he was a self, he was a um he wasn't offering a personal service to one specific company. Uh, and I think it, it's gone backwards and forwards with HMRC and in the courts uh, because he's arguing that he worked for multiple people. But if, if you are a single person, limited company, and your sole income is from one other source, i.e. one employer, then potentially the money that you that, that person receives should be reported as wages and, 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 and dealt with inside IR35. If you fall foul of that, there's bigger fines again. Um, so again, just because you think that person's a subcontractor, they could be limited, in which case you just accidentally, and it's on you to prove that their status is not within IR35. So it's again, it's something to bear in mind. But again, these are type of things where accountants will help. Um, you should have, if you go down the employment route or the self-employed route, if it's employed, you should have a contract of employment. And if you have a self-employed subcontractor, you should have a contract of services. So, Which I don't think anyone ever does. When I speak to people, they have subcontractors work for them and they, they don't have any sort of contract. Like you said, they could steal clients. They could they could do anything. They haven't got a massive one. If you've got a subcontractor on site that, that accidentally does a data leak, Maybe they email the client the wrong details or they, um, you know, they share another client's address by accident by, by selecting something wrong on your system. What policies and procedures have you got in place and will your insurance cover you if a subcontractor with no agreement accidentally implicates you in a data breach? What happens if they steal the data? It, you know, it's, there has to be something you have to protect yourself. So it's, it doesn't matter whether it's an employee or a subcontractor. If you invite them in on your site, you have to make sure that there's adequate insurance against any damage that they do. You may need to check that they have their own insurance, you know, because if they damage one of your dogs that you've asked them to groom, who's liable for the vet fee? Mm. Is it you because it's your business? Or are you going to take action against the subcontractor because actually you've paid them to do a job that they may not have done properly they yeah. could have been you know they could have been neglect it, it they could have been um poor performance uh, you know there could be lots of things there that that now implicates your business because the dog's owner will take action against you they don't care mm. that you contracted that work 
all they care about is they, they brought their dog to you. You've now hurt that dog and they want compensated and, and the vet bills covered because of it. So there's I've, no answer. I feel that we've scared everyone. <laughs> <laughs> don't, good thing rule because, of thumb, don't hire anyone. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. But everybody jumps to, or oh, I'm going to subcontract. Mm. not understanding the implications of doing such a thing. And this is why I always say, you know, with some of these things involving tax and finance and, and people, you sh- and if, if you don't know what you're doing, please, please seek help. Yeah. You know, doing payroll is a very complex thing. It's it's not easy. It's why I did, well, not why I didn't, but I didn't get involved in payroll when I first started, which is, how me and Lee met because I didn't want to F it up and said, you know what, I'm not I'm not interested in doing it. It's a service that I need to offer. I don't know anything about it. I'm going to get someone who knows what they're doing to do it, which is hence why I got Lee. So I can't stress enough. If you're not sure, please don't try and do it yourself. There are some things that we'll say, yeah, crack on. And if you want to do your self-assessment yourself, give it a whirl, you know, you can do that. But there's certain things like back returns, payroll, limited company accounts, that are things if you really don't know what you're doing and you and you don't know the intrinsic what's the word I'm trying to say? Intrins. No, I can't think of the word, I can't say it. I've got a brain fart. But if you don't know the details of what it is that you're doing, just don't just don't try, just please. It's 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 not that expensive. So, for example, for us, if you had like one monthly employee that was paid monthly, it's like sixteen pound fifty plus VAT. You're not talking like mega bucks uh, to get an accountant to do it and have that peace of mind that it's getting done properly. You know, the same with the. And I know I'm going slightly off topic, but it's the same with the bookkeeping and the VAT. I had a client today, and she even said you should mention this on your live, which is why I'm doing it. I'm not going to mention any names. But a few months back, it was, no, no, I'm going to do my own bookkeeping. I've not hit the VAT threshold. I'm on it. I'm going to do it. You know, I don't want to pay. And I'm very happy doing it myself. I said, yeah, that's absolutely fine. Uh, Yesterday, got an email saying, yeah, you can go in and check my zero. So yesterday afternoon, me and Lauren sat down, looked at the zero, and oh, my dear God, was it a mess. (laughs) Um, and I had a conversation with day, so she doesn't mind me telling you this. Um, it was funny. We did have a giggle, um, but it was a bit of a shower of shit, and um, she hit the VAT threshold, and I said, I bloody told you, and she had a go at me for nagging her every time I got on the phone. Have you hit the VAT threshold? No, no, Vicky, stop nagging me. It's fine. I've got it covered, and lo and behold, she has hit the VAT threshold, and the zero was a mess. So... We don't say these things because you, we want you to give us money and, and use our services. You know, if you want to go elsewhere, that's absolutely fine. All we're trying to say when we say these things is because we, we see it day in, day out. Oh, no, I'm going to do it myself. And now that's probably going to cost her more because it's about eight hours of work to sit down and fix it. And now she has no choice but to go that registered because she's crossed the threshold. So now we're going to sit back and try and work all that out and, and go through that. So there is reasons why we say these things. Some things you can try yourself, payroll, unless you have some knowledge, I just really wouldn't. Um, it's not as scary as everyone thinks. It's not as costly as you might think. But, you know, the reason why I've done this podcast uh, in the live is just so we can give you that information to make an informed decision. So if you're sitting there thinking, well, do I have a subcontractor? Do I have an employee? Hopefully now you know enough. Obviously, I mean, we could talk hours, you know, the stuff with like tax and stuff is so intrinsic. That's the word I was looking for. You know, we we could go down like five different rabbit holes. I mean, we had a two day discussion the other day about a fence, you know, literally a two day discussion about whether a fence was an allowable expense for someone who had a secure dog field. Two days, four accountants to work out whether a fence was an allowable expense. So, you know, we could go down loads of holes here and, and talk hours about it, but we don't have time uh, and you'd probably get bored to death. So what you need to know is employees are not expensive to have. Okay, get someone to help you with the payroll. If you want a subcontractor, 
make sure you have a contract in place. Make sure you're not dictating their hours, their work, their dress, anything. You're basically hiring them to help you out. Okay. Please make sure that, like Lee said, they're not a limited company and, and just using you and, and you're just paying them essentially a wage. Um, we should do like a little checklist. Maybe we will. When Lee gets back of holiday, because he's swanning off to Mexico tomorrow, um, we might do like a, like an employee versus subcontractor like checklist thing that we can put on the group um, that people can use. Because we know going on the HMRC's website might as well be in Japanese sometimes. It's that hard to understand. So if we if we can put something together to help you guys, and we will, but just be really, really careful and use this, make an informed decision. Do I really need to go down the subcontractor route or can I employ someone? And make sure you understand the differences. And if you're sat there going, well, hang on, I rent a table and I'm getting told X, Y, and Z, you know, have that conversation with the person. They may well not know that what they're doing is wrong. Some people do know, and they're just, again, trying to pull a fast one. Um, and they're like, yeah, yeah, you're a subcontractor, and you don't know what you're talking about, so I'll just tell you what to do. Some people do, unfortunately, but most of the people probably generally just they don't know. So you can get them to listen to this podcast um, if they're not sure. But, you know, we don't want people being done out of money and, you know, being told what to do when they shouldn't be and making the wrong decisions because obviously that's when it ha- debates happen like we did today on the group which is good we love to see that because it's nice to see members picking up on things that maybe well aren't incorrect so that other people don't read it and then take it and, and go and run with it um so again if there's anything on the group that people aren't sure about just tag either me or lee in the group and we will comment um like we've done today um, I hope that we've gone through enough of the differences that you can see what you need to do on both sides of the coin. If you have any questions, um, oh, hi, Catherine, hi, Jack. Um, then if you've got any questions, there's nine people watching. So if any of you nine, I'm assuming that you're interested in this topic, which is why you're listening or you're just bored on a Wednesday. Um, <laughs> if you've got any questions, please, please, please put them in the comments because you've got us here, you know, now, I say this maybe like every other podcast, every other live. There's not many accountants that will give out free advice. We don't generally give out free advice. You know, people, if they want us, generally have to pay for it. If they email wanting info on certain topics, we do charge a consultancy fee. But with these groups on a Wednesday, we do it for free, which is why I always say if there's any topics that you want us to discuss on a weekly basis, then whack them in the group and we'll do it um, if it helps you out. Uh, come on, there's got to be some questions there, even if it's not employee versus subcontractor related. Ah, here we go. Ibrahim's got one. Uh, thank you for the question. Hi, I'm really close, maybe just over the VAT threshold, and I've booked in to have a chat with you. Yes, you do. I have that on June. Uh, as I need a better accountant, my current accountant is old and a bit of a donut. <laughs> this may be very informative. Well, yes, uh, for some reason, I think accountants are a dying breed. They're either like really old and doddery and haven't really kept up with the times or young and fresh like me and Lee. <laughs> Lee's just like, Lee's on, Lee's on holiday mode. He doesn't care. <laughs> Lee's like just, Lee's thinking about his margarita on his beach and his speedos. Um We'll try not to get him to to add any of those photos on the group. Um, no, yet yeah, Ibrahim, I know you've got an appointment booked because um, it's in my calendar. Again, if you've hit the threshold, you know, if if you think you're near the VAT threshold, you know, it's, this is why we harp on about the software because the software is really good and it'll help you keep track. If you're earning sort of like five, six, seven, eight grand a month, you know, you're gonna you're gonna hit it fairly quickly. And this is why software is really, really important. Uh, oh, he's just followed up. Uh, I'm on zero, but I haven't got a clue how to use it properly. The current accountant doesn't want me using it, lol. <laughs> it's probably because he doesn't know how to use it. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things. Every accountant's different. Old school accountants, like my uncle's very old school. He's retired now. And he didn't want to like using software. He was very much all just, you know, you know, an abacus um, and a calculator. And 
we're very honest. Like, I don't like QuickBooks. Everyone knows I call it shit books. Um, you know, again, that's just our personal preference. Mainly you say I'm free agent. I'm better at free agent than I am at zero, and these better at zero. Um, we, again, we both have our own personal preferences and are better at it than others. Um, Lee did or does do the zero courses, which we did one a couple of weeks ago, um, which went really well. We will be doing some more when he gets back off his holly bobs. Um, maybe we'll do a free agent one because we haven't done one of those yet. Um, but there, yeah, there will be some more zero ones Ibrahim, if you wanted to get on that and we'll, we'll show you how to use it. Uh, but it will help you if you're going to go VAT register to do those VAT returns, but you have no choice, you kind of have to. So I'm not entirely sure what he or she was wanting you to go on because you have to use software to submit VAT returns. So who knows? Um, But yes, unfortunately, there are some dodgy accountants out there. Um, So do your research um, before you get one. Um, Right, Karen, uh, just started in business, registered for tax in April. Congrats, Karen. In the previous tax year, I bought a business coaching course, which I'm doing now, isn't an allowable expense. A business coaching course. What does that involve, Karen? And what is it that you do would be my questions. If you could, if you're happy to share, pop them in the comments. If you're not, you can always um, contact us and we can talk about it in private. Um, Jack's put zero is so much better than QuickBooks. Thanks for your advice. Thanks, Jack. It is like, (laughs) it is like, it just, it really is. Um, Ibrahim's put wanted me to stay below the VAT threshold. Naughty, naughty. Don't write. There's so many people. Oh, I don't want to go VAT registered. I don't want to go VAT registered. I'm going to lose all my clients. You won't. Trust me. You will not lose your clients. Just go through it. Register. It, it'll hurt for like a week and then you'll get over it and then you'll get more clients and you'll just forget about the fact you were VAT registered. Again, um, you know. Get some help with the the VAT registration, the VAT returns. You will save yourself money if you don't know what you're doing because you could end up costing yourself more money. Again, get some help. Um, Catherine has put, I've always been old school and really scared of being zero in the future. Catherine is absolutely, honestly, once you get, it's like everything. You get a new bit of software or anything that's new, it's going to take you a little while to get used to. But once you've got there and you get the hang of it, it is really easy um, and it will save you so much time and money, I promise you. Um, Karen's put my dog trainer, business coaching, remarketing, social media and a business plan. So I kind of guess it's like our business essentials course or no? Um, I would ask, this is, this is where me and Lee are going to argue. No, I'm going to... I'm going to say yes. I would say yes to that Mm. um, because you're not learning a new skill that your business is then going to sell. Mm. This is enhancing your skills in order for you to get things right in your business. Mm. So I would have said that the business coaching course is, it would be allowable. Yeah. Yes. If you were on a business coaching course that was going to teach you how to deliver a business coaching course, <laughs> yeah. then that would be a no. Yeah, fabulous. There you go, Karen. At least feel in a good mood. He's allowed that and it didn't take two days. If you want to know the answer, the fence was not allowable, which was very sad for the client because she spent like 18 grand on this fence so very sad day for that client and uh yeah we did try two days and we all argued with each other and then eventually we agreed but that just goes to show it's not as easy as just going oh yeah you can put that through that's a business expense because although it might sound like it should be sometimes it just isn't and tax you know, exactly tax rules or not <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or not um, Sonia put, uh, is it true that getting a free metal account then gives you free agent for free? Sonia, where have you been for the last 10 months? <laughs> where have you been? Um, yes, Sonia, it does. So if you're looking at free agent, um, if you get metal or a NatWest business account or an RBS business account, then you do get free agent for free as long as you have that account. 
A lot of people have said in the group that they don't want to change bank accounts because all their clients are used to paying into, say, their Starling account. And even the guy, Dougie from Free Agent, says, get metal, open metal, and as long as you put one transaction through a month, then you will get the Free Agent license for free. So you just attach your Starling account and your metal account to the Free Agent license, and it will register the fact that you've got metal and it won't charge you. So you're saving yourself like 20 quid a month by getting the free bank account. Metal is free. It's very similar to Starling, but obviously the NatWest and RBS ones have to be the specific business bank accounts. Um, so again, do you research with your bank accounts? Do you research with the um, software? Some you get free. Free Agent is a very basic software. It's very easy to use. Um you know, it does take a little bit longer to do certain things and some of it, like their depreciation, isn't great. Um, if you want something that's a bit more sophisticated and does a bit more and is a lot quicker, then obviously then we would point in the direction of zero. Zero, we have, we can offer to you, you can't get this direct with zero, is £12 a month for the first three months and then £24 a month thereafter. And that comes with HubDoc, which is a brilliant app which we did a live on a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, which will be pinned to the top of the group if you want to have a look. Um, so again, it's all about doing your research. And if you're not sure what you do and just get, get some help. Um, <laughs> Jack's put Lee's in holiday mode, no argument. Yeah, I couldn't give a shit now, Jack. He's like switched off. Look at him. <laughs> he hasn't even got, he hasn't even got his Thomas and Clark bloody. I haven't. Coat on that he usually wraps himself in. It's honestly it's too warm. He's showing skin today, so you can tell. Um, stuck in my salon trying to up my prices. So when you get those prices, just just tell people it's got the prices have gone up. If you want to have a chat about that, then let me know. Uh, any training for free agent coming soon, Julia? Um, as soon as Lee's off holiday, we'll get some dates in the diary. Um, so that we can get these trainings done for people. Um, Sonia's put brilliant, thank you, Lee. And yes, Lee, your email put the put the wind up, mate. Oh God, that bloody email um, that Lee sent out has caused nothing but havoc. If you're a client of ours and you've got an email from Lee, it's just a generic email. Everyone needs to calm down. <laughs> Stop emailing me. Um, it's fine. It's just a generic email to let you guys know what we need off you when you are ready. I've had about 40 people send me their stuff in sheer panic um, because of Lee. So you're keeping me very, very busy, um, <laughs> which he loved. But then he did get like 400 replies. So I was like, haha. I, I royally mucked up with it because we sent it out on mass but I didn't realise that I was BCC'd into every single one that went. So as they were sending, I was having hundreds and hundreds of copies of this email come back to me. So, <laughs> so I <that's laughs> is come up in <laughs> um, Ibrahim's paying £48 for zero. No way. Wow, okay. okay. 48 quid. That is expensive. We've just halved it for you, Ibrahim. <laughs> Well, I don't know. You'll have to cancel it. You'd have to cancel it if you wanted to switch over. That's your only issue. Um, if we have zero with you, would the end of year accounts cost the same? Yes. So, Catherine, the, the zero license is obviously something completely different, and that just gives you use of the software. If we did your bookkeeping for you, then we do charge a lot less for the self-assessment. Um, so... It's kind of you either do get the software and do it yourself. And then obviously we would then go in and use those figures to do the tax return. And obviously if there's any amendments, we would do it to a point. Um, if it was complete shambles at like the one today, then we wouldn't. We'd have to charge you for it. But generally I'll go in. If there's a few errors, I'll just correct them as I go um, and then do your tax return. If we were to do your bookkeeping on the software, then obviously we it's the self-assessment is like a fraction of the price because we've already done pretty much most of the hard work anyway. Um, and just as a caveat to that, just remember, if you're doing your own self-assessment, that you must, must, must put in all your other forms of income. So if you've got any other self-employed jobs, if you've got any PAYE jobs, 
Um, if you have any sort of taxable benefits, please make sure they all go on the tax return. Otherwise, you'll get a nasty email from HMRC being like, why haven't you added this on? And then it's a ball lake. So just remember that it's not just the self-employed stuff goes in there. Everything has to go in there. If you rent any flats, houses, holiday lets, um, if you've got any stocks and shares that you've sold, um, which we had one today. Even your student loans. Yeah, your student loans. About student loan deductions. So we complete a self-assessment and then you get a letter in the post saying that they've corrected the, 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 the figures because you didn't tell us that you had a student loan and, and we've got to make those payments as well. So little things like that make a massive difference. Marriage allowance, if, if, you, if you've given 10% of your, your personal allowance over to your spouse or vice versa, again, it affects the figures. And, and if they don't match what HMRC thinks, they'll correct the figures and then they'll, a little red flag, why didn't they get it right? What's, what's the difference? Again, and you have a couple of red flags on your file and you could be picked at random for, a, for an inspection. <laughs> yeah, random. Random. Um, yeah, random. But, yeah, so, you know, hopefully that's helped. Um, like I say, any softwares that you want, then just let us know. We generally give them cheaper. It's it's not just us. Obviously, most accountants, they'll have their preferred software, and then we get it cheaper because, obviously, the software companies want us to – want that you to use their software. Um, so because we use free free agent zero, that is ones that we've got discounts on. Uh, and again, won't pass that along because why? Well, not? yeah, that's true. Some people don't. They might get it for like a tenner, but they still charge you thirty quid. Uh, we do like to pass them on because that we're just nice like that. Um, but like I say, not everyone does. So don't go shouting at your accountant, being like, "How can they get it cheaper?" <laughs> it might just be that they don't want to give it to you cheaper. Um, what else? What else have we come across? Well, let me just have a look. Have a look in the group, Lee, because if I touch my phone, I'm going to mess everything up. Uh, if anyone's got any questions, let us know. Um, you've got us probably for like another ten minutes. Um, we're happy to answer anything. Um, I'm trying to think if I've come across anything lately that would be of use, other than getting your software right. Like I say, making tax digital for sole traders and partnerships. It's probably not going to come into play until 2026, 2027. So if you do want um, to stay on a spreadsheet or you want one of our packs, which you can get, uh, they're still available. The, they post link to the top of the group, um, and that covers if you're a boarder, walker, groomer, sitter. Um, everything's on there if you want that. If you don't want to use the software, that's absolutely fine. There's no pressure because it's going to be a few years before it goes digital anyway. Um, the utility calculator, if you haven't snapped that up and you're doing your tax return, I promise you that is going to save you a hell of a lot more than what it costs. We use it on every single tax return that we do, and it is literally a, a money saver because people either don't put their utilities in or the amount they put in is too low, and then we do it, and sometimes it's triple what they put in. And that ultimately is going to save you money on your tax bill. Okay, so if you are struggling or you're not sure how to, to put your utilities through, that is the reason why we've built that calculator. Is a so it saves you money, and b it saves you time. Literally hundreds of pounds on your tax bill for using one calculator, and you've got it for the rest of the time you're self-employed. If you're struggling, you're not using it. You need to. I promise you. It's the only thing I'm ever gonna plug that we do is that bloody utilities calculator because it is so good it I pro, every time we do it we save people hundreds of pounds i could put on every day a different figure that we've saved a client on their tax return people every, are even everyone will be different yeah yeah exactly um i'm thinking of doing my bookkeepings i've not started last year as so my house is being renovated and I can't concentrate <laughs> yeah that's fine I feel you paying Catherine I'm in the process of buying a house and I've got 40 to do and I can't concentrate I might just give them to Lee <laughs> um but no it's it's the only thing you know that we'll never ever try and sell you shit just because you're here and listening to us but that utilities calculator I promise you will save you money whether it be 50 quid 100 quid 600 quid Obviously, everyone's different, so it'll be a different amount for every person because obviously everyone's business is different. 
It is going to save you money. That is why we have produced it. So please, please, please use it if you're stuck or you don't know how to calculate utilities. It's in pinned to the top of the group so you can find it. Um, Julia's put on a different podcast. You mentioned children under 16 working and being able to pay them. Could you go through that again? And is it under 18 year olds too? So they have to be over the age of 13. Um, they, You have to make sure that you abide by the working time directive for young adults, for young children. But basically, if they help out in your business and they um, are paid at the going rate for the job that they're doing, so you couldn't have like a 13-year-old running your company and you pay them 20 grand, um, you know, it has to be... It has to be relative to that role. So if they're washing the groom room, cleaning the baths down, you know, those type of things, basically the pocket money side of things, you can put that through as a business expense, as as, as wages to that child between, you know, between 13 to 16. After 16, they need to go to payroll if they're earning more than £123 a week. And that's because there'll be national insurance contributions to take into account. Um, but not only that, if... You, you you can have an employee that is any age paid less than £123 a week without having to run a payroll and report the figures to HMRC on a monthly or weekly basis, as long as that employee hasn't got another form of income or another job. If they get another job or they have a pension or there is other income like rental or anything along those lines, they must go on a payroll and they must be reported to HMRC. Uh, e- even if they even if they were with you to start with and then they got another job, then you have to put them on a payroll. Um, and, and that's your legal obligation as an employer. But certainly from a 13-year-old up to 16-year-old and you pay them pocket money, that can go as a business expense as long as you are paying them for work that they've done within your business. So not just to get around lowering your tax bill, paying your 13-year-old five grand a week to uh, <laughs> walk some dogs or clean clean the uh, grooming baths for an hour, <laughs> which, if only. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so, yeah, Julia, I hope that um, answers your question. Um, again, we, we do cover a lot of these topics on, on all of the other podcasts, so if you're not subscribed to that, then please do, um, because the, we have done um, employee versus subcontractor before, and we've gone through employees and much more depth uh, in earlier episode. I think it must be months ago now. Um, so again, if you want some more in-depth information, then just subscribe to the podcast. It's literally the Pet Accountant Podcast. Um, and you can listen to an earlier episode. Um, I think as time's gone on, we've become a little bit more <laughs> they've become a little bit more um funny rather than informative, but um hopefully we'll uh, we'll keep on track. In a month's time, we'll just be us two chatting and taking the piss out of each other with the, with the occasional word tax written in. Um uh, Julie's put so I could pay £123 to my 16-year-old without a payroll for social media. Yes. As long as she doesn't have another job. Yes. Fabulous. Brilliant. There's Thank you. Question I've come across in the group. Oh, go on. Um, so this one is from Mel. And she says, I have a car that I currently use for dog walking. It is going to need replacing soon. What are the rules around buying a vehicle? I understand it's mileage or vehicle expenses, but unsure of anything else. I vaguely recall a van being better to offset against tax but would prefer not to use a van. Uh, are there types of cars that are classed similarly and think of a bilingo? Can the purchase of a vehicle be included? So like 10 questions in there. It was. Okay, so if we if we look at that to start with, um, car or van, big difference. And it really, really depends on what is on the V5. If the V5 says that it is a car, doesn't matter if it looks like a van, it is a car. A bilingual multi-space, I'm pretty sure it's a car. So again, it's it's re- and, and a commercial vehicle isn't a van, it's just a commercial vehicle, so it could be a car. It the V5 must say that it is a van. As long as it's classed as a van and HMRC's website says it's a van, 
then there are much better tax breaks for a van than a car. So for argument's sake, um, if we said the vehicle that I'm buying was 15 grand, um, and the difference between the car and the van, with the van, the 15 grand, I can put all 15 grand through all at once in the one year, and I can offset that 15 grand against my profits. No, no questions asked. If it's a car, first of all, I've got to apportion it between personal and private use. And then once I've done that, I can only claim 6% of the value of the car every year until I get rid of it. So that, that 6% is a diminishing balance. So you take 6% of it off this year, and then the, the balance that was left, you take another 6% off that. So actually what you can claim year on year goes down every single year until you sell the vehicle. Um, so as you can see, there's a massive tax difference between a car and a van. But what's really important is if you put a vehicle through the business, a purchase of the vehicle through the business, you then no longer have the choice of 45 pence a mile or actual expenses. If you purchase the vehicle and the purchase goes through the business, you must claim actual expenses. Um, if you are currently claiming 45 pence a mile uh, or you've opted to claim actual expenses and you change the vehicle, that is the only point at which you can stop and opt to go for the other method. Um, otherwise, once you've opted for one method, that is it for the, for the entirety of the, the life of the vehicle while you have it. So in a nutshell, it must be a van on the V5 to get the full benefit. And if you do put it through the books, it is actual expenses. Now, when I say actual expenses, what I've noticed that some clients are doing, and it's wrong, is they'll put some fuel in, keep the receipt, pretend that that one was for work, fill up next time and think that one was for private, but then don't put the fuel receipt in. So they give us what they think is their business fuel receipts. We need absolutely everything when it comes to that vehicle. So every time you fill it up, every time you take it to the garage for an MOT, every time you have work done on it, we need the full expense of that vehicle for the year. And then what we look at and people go, well, I'm not doing the mines method. We still need a legitimate and measurable way of working out what your personal journeys are and what your work journeys are and the easiest way to do that is to keep a mileage log and then you can tell us at the end of the year well 98 was business and two percent was personal or 75 business 25 personal you can give us an, est an estimate but hmrc won't accept an estimate they will want to see how you calculated your business and mileage split which is why we always say to people if you didn't put the car through to start with and you're on 45 pence a mile, it's much easier just to keep a business mileage log because then you can just do the 45 pence times the amount of miles that you've done up to 10,000 miles and 25 pence thereafter. The My um, IQ app. My IQ, 100%. Yeah. Automate it, make your life easier. Spend the five a month, add it as a business expense and record every single mile that you do. Yeah, it is good. We don't have any affiliates with that, by the way. We just think it's really good app. Yeah. <laughs> um, a Blingo Multispace is a car because Laura owns one. I thought that, so thank you very much. A lot of people do. I see another group's putting that through the whole amount, which they can't. Uh, right, final question of the night uh, from Sandra. After you've paid an employee their wage, are you allowed to make a deduction for a training course they are completing? Yes and no. So... Any deduction from the employee's wages where you don't have a contractual, assigned contractual notice between the two of you is an illegal deduction of earnings. So you can't take anything back from that wages unless you had prior agreement where you have both signed a contract to say that that is allowable. Most contracts these days, certainly if you've had one done by a HR professional, will explain that you can recoup monies that you have paid the employee if you've made a mistake in their wages or for training costs if they leave but it will also detail at what what amounts they they um you, you can recoup for the number of months or years that employee has been with you so for argument's sake if they're three quarters of the way through their training course and then they leave but they've been working with you for so long or or if, or for argument's sake, if they've been with you a year after they finished the training course, at what stage do they not have to pay that training course back to yourself? 
So the contract is key with that one. If you don't have a written agreement between you, then no, you can't. Um, if it's not in your original contract of employment and you want to put that person on a training course, you can then do a supplementary page which details um, the agreement between you and them that they will do this course, you will pay for the course, uh, and in return, they have to work for you for a set period of time to not have to repay any of those costs. And as long as you've got a signed agreement that you can deduct that back from their wages on point of leaving, then yes, you can. Which brings me on to another point, and I know I'm going off topic, <laughs> but it's still to do with payroll. One of the big things that we've had this year is employers wanting to pay employees for untaken leave. There's only one time that you are allowed to pay an employee for leave that they have not taken, and that is at the point of which they leave their employment. You can't pay an employee for a crude holiday that they didn't take. You can roll the holiday over into the next year or a, a, a proportion of the holiday. The important thing is not the monetary value, but the physical time that they're getting away from away from work. They have to take a break from, from work. So in order not to facilitate people rolling up their holiday to get six weeks paid at the end of the, the, the financial year or wherever your holiday year is, HMRC specifically state, and, 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 and it might be ACAS because it's employment law, that you cannot pay them for untaken leave unless it's at the point at which they leave employment. And if you do, you're breaking the law. And we had we had this this week, I think, as a member, mm -hmm. you know, one of the clients come to us and we couldn't do it. We we couldn't pay the, the the holiday. So it's just something to bear in mind that allow the staff to take the time off and plan it well throughout the year, but you can dictate when they take it. And if you see that they're rolling a lot up, all you have to do is give them twice as much notice as the amount of leave that you'd like them to take, and they have to take holiday. And this is why I don't get involved in payroll. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't, you know what, I just can't be asked. Like, it's just, it's too much, too many bloody rules and regulations for me to want to even delve into, into payroll, which is why we have a payroll manager. <laughs> I don't have to do it. <laughs> Um, and I have no inclination of doing it either um, because it's just, it's a minefield. So, you know, I hope um, that has helped. Um, can you suggest where to go to facilitate a new team member contract? The only person, Sandra, that I've heard of, never used personally, but know that people use in the pet industry is Megan Saint. Um, um, oh, bloody hell, I can't remember what I company's called she might be in this group um uh, possibly uh, i think she is um so megan saint um if you google her um is an hr person and she does contracts and i think she has packages and things uh, i'm pretty sure i think these probably looking now um I can't remember what a bloody company's called but i know she's called megan saint realize hr was that somebody else? No, I don't. That doesn't sound. Have a look in the group members and just type a name in. And it should be. Up. I'm pretty sure she's coming into the group, so she's probably in the group. Um, I'll see maybe if I can get her on for a chat to talk about contracts and things for um, subcontractors, employees. And but a lot of HR professionals won't touch them with a barge pole. What the subcontractor ones? Yeah. Why? Because of the complexities around disguised remuneration and and uh, or disguised employees, so yeah, you you might. Okay, well, if you want an employee one, Sandra, she's your gal. <laughs> Megan Saint. If you're in Bill's group, uh, she's definitely in there. Um, so have a look and have a look in the the members, and you'll find her. But she'll do you uh, an employment contract, I'm sure. Um, other than that, thank you. Oh, there you go. Megan Saint, your HR handled. Brilliant. Thanks, Ibrahim. I knew someone would know it. I couldn't really remember the name. Um, thank you for all the questions uh, and taking part and makes these lives so much nicer when we actually have live questions to answer. Um, otherwise, it's mainly just jabbering on for an hour. Um, we've gone off topic again, as we as we normally do. 
Um, but I hope you found that helpful. Again, as always, any topics you want, put them on the group. Because um, if you contact us, we'll have to charge you for it. Um, so every Wednesday we'll be on here talking about something. Um, next week, I'm not entirely sure what we're going to talk about because Lee's obviously in Mexico. Um, so I will be doing it solo. So I might have to think about what I'm going to uh, chat to you guys about. If you've got any hints, anything you want me to go over, then please pop it in the group. Um, carry on helping each other. Um, hope you have a great week and we will catch up next week. Get logged on, get thingy following the podcast, the Pet Accountant podcast, um, and have a look at some previous ones because I know this we've done stuff on employees before. Um, and yeah, just have a great week. Enjoy yourselves. If it's sunny where you are, it's definitely not here. And um, let's all give lots of hate to Lee because he's gone on holiday. Um, <laughs> And if I get the dodgy photos, I'll put them in the group. (laughs) But no, uh, thank you honestly for listening. um, And we'll catch up with you next week um, for an exciting topic, which is yet to be revealed. Uh, Right. I'm going to go get some dinner. So thank you, everyone. Thanks for the questions. And we will catch up next week. All right. Cheers, everyone. Bye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed my podcast, don't forget to subscribe for me. And if you want to speak to me, please visit my website at www.petaccountant.co.uk. And if you'd like to join my Facebook group, which is full of like-minded pet professionals, then search Accounting for Pet Professionals in Facebook and I will see you there.